Welcome and hello to uh, another episode of Inspire Club from Inspiring Workplaces. It's me, Matt Manners, your host. Uh, Ruth Dance has taken on hosting duties the past couple of weeks. Thank you very much, Ruth. Uh, it's great to be back. Um, in England, we're kind of coming out of lockdown right now and a vaccine rollout around the world seems to be going well. So who knows, we might be getting to a world where we did things in the past that just seemed like we shouldn't have a sing and don- song and dance about, but now uh, I've seen huge, like going down the pub for a pint with your friend. Um, so I'm seeing my team tomorrow for the first ever time in 14 months. Uh, we're going out to lunch in Clapham uh, outside. It's rained for a month in England, rain, raining like it was the, the Brazilian rainforest, um, but it actually is sunny today. So hopefully... We have a well-earned lunch, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I've just had almost an hour-long conversation with our, our guest today um, before clicking record. Um, absolutely amazing woman. Uh, I can't wait to, to start having a, a formal conversation with her on our on our podcast. Um, recommended from one of our previous guests, Jason Anthon, uh, who also is the Chief Inspiration Officer for Inspire Atlanta. And... Um, from from Midwest America, um, have gone to Hollywood, to New Zealand, and now living in in our part, in my part of the world, in London, about thirty miles away. So maybe have a have a drink with her at some stage in the future. Uh, I'd love to welcome someone that is basically always helping cr- to build creativity, communications, and leadership with it within human beings. Uh, welcome Beth Collier. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Matt. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, thanks, uh, thanks for being on the podcast and. Um, you know, I'm I'm glad you love the boss Bruce Springsteen like I do. Um, <laughs> I, I love I love your curious mindset, and that's what set you off traveling around the world and finds you finds you here in London now. Uh, how how's life treating you at the moment? Well, I'm looking forward to um, returning to some of the simple pleasures of life. As you <laughs> mentioned, like last week, the restaurants just opened up, and I went to a cafe with a book for an hour. And had a cup of tea. How British does that sound? And <laughs> I just re- and I was realizing like I haven't done this in so long. Um, and you know I've booked tickets to go to a museum this weekend because clearly I'm getting older and nerdier. That one of the first things that came to mind when when we opened up, that I was like, oh, I can go see some art. <laughs> but um, I, it's all those little things you, that are wonderful about London. You know, the the theater, the art, the museums, the restaurants that we've missed for so long. So, you know, I'm I'm excited to get back to, to some of that again. And, and I'm hoping it snaps back in uh, as easily as, as that, too, because I, I, I saw one friend for the first time last week once the rules have been relaxed. And I was waiting for him, a friend and colleague. Um, and just like I took my laptop and I had to wait an hour for him. So I was just doing some work on my laptop with, with a beer because it's the end of the day. And I'm like, oh, this, I remember this. This is, this is what used to be, you know, this is how life was. <laughs> I'd see people do some work. It'd be, it was great. I'd see people not from six feet away. <laughs> yeah. From six feet away or, or on a camera. Uh, and then, you know, just see your, my mum and my in-laws for the past year. That's been my social circle. And they're fantastic human beings if they ever listen to this podcast. Um, so, so anyway, t- to you, um, like I say, it's been an absolutely fantastic conversation off, off the podcast, um, and um, I'm really looking forward to seeing 
your views and, and, and answers to some of our, our staple questions. So um, especially this one, uh, the, the only rule of Inspire Club, to share a story of somebody at work who's inspired you along the way in your life. Sure. Um, well, when I when I think about who's inspired me, I think about, you know, I've you know been working for 20 years and in a variety of industries and seen a lot of different you know leaders and and people. And the the people who really inspire me, I think of starting out in my career when I was in Los Angeles, I worked at a TV show and there was a producer there named Janet Spellman. And I I really respect Janet. I mean, even more so now, having reflected on, you know, 20 years of other people that I've worked with, because Janet was someone who was very smart. Uh, she was good at her job, and but she was also very kind. And um, those are things that are important to me as as I've as I've worked in the people that I want to work with. That it's not just about being intelligent or smart or good at your job, but it's also the kind of person you are. And I I think you know another one who inspired me when I was in New Zealand was the CEO, one of the CEOs I worked with, who again was incredibly intelligent, but just also such a he was a good person. He really cared about employees, um, and and it's just a real pleasure to work with those kind of people that are not they're not just there for the job. Um, they care about the people. They genuinely care about the people, and those are the ones who've really inspired me. And are we able to name drop the the CEO in in? Yeah. So his his name's uh, he's retired now. John Whitehead uh, was the CEO of Treasury. So very um, you know high pressure organization. You know you you don't work. You're not the CEO of Treasury unless you are an incredibly intelligent person. <laughs> but John was just such a a good person as well, and and that's really stuck out to me all these years later. Is kind of reflecting on those people I've seen along the way. Fantastic, and, and what a great. Uh, common denominator to have for people that have inspired you to be good people, good human beings, um, and the impact they have. Um, well, thank you to Janet and John uh, for inspiring Beth, because uh, uh, Beth's inspired me this morning. Um, so thank you. Thank you for doing that. Um, I've got to ask, can you name drop the TV show, you know, just uh, curiosity and all that? <laughs> yeah, so I worked on uh, Days of Our Lives, the soap opera at NBC, and I also worked for New Line Cinema, the film company, and I worked for a show that is, didn't last very long called, um, it was called Jesse when it aired. It was with Christina Applegate, yeah. but it was done by Bright Kaufman Crane, who that might not ring a bell, but they, they're the people who did Friends. So that was really interesting. Like when Friends was at its height um, back in the late nineties to see those producers and how they worked. And it was just a, it was a really interesting experience. Wow, and Days of Our Lives obviously featured on Friends with Dr. Drake Ramore as well. There you go. There you go. I, was, I was laughing about this earlier today, Matt, thinking about, you know, when I worked at Days of Our Lives, our, our big thing was we were number one on college campuses. And people would say, like, but the storylines are so far-fetched. They're so ridiculous. But then I look around at the world, and I think that those ridiculous storylines that seem far-fetched in a soap opera actually prepare you for life. Because particularly when you're here in the U.K., watching what's happening with the politics here. It's like, yeah, it's kind of like a soap opera. Oh, yeah, life is definitely a soap opera and, and, all, and, all, and all about timing, constantly full of drama. You think you've got through one drama and then there's another one there's waiting for you else. around the corner. There's something there else. Yeah. Um, absolutely, absolutely fantastic. What, what, absolutely awesome. And the, the Friends uh, uh, reunion show, I think, is on this week as well. You it know? is, so, yeah. Uh, I, might, I might have to tune into that one as well. Big, big fan. Took, 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 took my wife to 
the village and showed her, you know, the corner of uh, Bedford and Grove or whatever it is in in the village to show the off the apartment building. But anyway, that, that it's great, such an awesome uh, career and background. And again, thanks to Janet and, and John for inspiring you. Um, we did touch on this a bit earlier, but um, it'd be great to know about your what your why is. You know, what gets you out of bed every more every day? Uh, for you know, what's your why at work? So I, I think the biggest thing is for me now, Matt, is that I see people held back um, and they're held back from things that they don't have to be held back from. So when I see people who are held back because they fear public speaking, um, and this can manifest in a lot of different ways, but they might not want to share their ideas in something as simple as a team meeting or with their boss, or they might not want to stand up in front of people and present at a town hall or something like this. Um, they may not want to share their ideas because they, which their ideas may be really creative, but they're scared for, you know, they might be laughed at or they might be ridiculed or they might be rejected. And these things hold people back. So this lack of identity of like people will say to me a lot, well, I'm not creative or I used to be creative and I will fight that every time to say, no, you are creative. Maybe your creative muscles have become weak because you haven't used them enough, but you are, you as a human being are creative and you are capable of things. And if you are struggling with public speaking, for example, it does not have to be that way. And so my why is to help people build those skills that are going to like, this sounds a bit dramatic, but it's true. Bring them joy. Like when you build your skills and build your confidence and you get your ideas out there, like, yes, it can help you your, it can help your career advancement, of course. People like to talk about that. But like when you don't have to face those fears of, you know, my palms are sweaty, I feel sick, I feel nervous, I physically don't want to do this. When you don't have that anymore, it can be really joyful. And when you know that you are creative and you're capable of these things and you get your ideas out there and you see what you're capable of, that brings you joy too. And so that's what I'm here to do is just to help people, you know, find that inner strength, find those inner talents and get them out there. Um, um, amazing um I, you know what, what a great reason to get up in the morning and and then especially when you help people overcome that fear and, and find that joy in what they do I, ma I imagine it's incredibly fulfilling to, to see that take place it is like because it brings joy to their like i mean i have seen this with my clients that like not only does it help them in their career but it helps them in their personal life too like you know, creativity is not just reserved for the workplace. You can use this, you know, in your communication as well. You know, when you know how to get your ideas across, good things can happen. And so to see people really, the transformation that happens, is really wonderful. I, I actually did a, I seldom write blogs. Uh, I, I try and, again, stay, stay in the background a bit. Um, but I, I wrote a, a post yesterday called um, F Fear. Um, and it's obviously a bit strong title, but... Um, it was bubbling up for a while, but we obviously try at Inspiring Workplaces are trying to build psychologically safe environments, workplaces that, that have no fear. But I fear that I fear that fear itself is starting to really get in the way of progress at, at a point in time coming out of the pandemic and the things that have happened around social justice in the world where we've got such a great opportunity. And if, if we're if we're not capitalizing on it because people are afraid of trying to do change, but they might be doing it and but they might say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing that might be might come across as backdated or wrong and the fear their fear of those mistakes might be jumped upon and uh and therefore they just don't ever do anything in the first place and then if we don't do anything no change will ever happen and and bad things to, to fill that void so i was basically saying that 
we're all afraid of something at work or in life. And what we need to try and do as individuals is not necessarily trying to overcome that fear. Yes, that'd be great. But as individuals, we should all try and create environments that assume positive intent in some way where you don't necessarily jump on somebody straight away or you can educate them or show them the way or or say that's a, that's a good idea and then try and spark off other ideas. But I, 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 what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get to without going on a bit of a rant is I love the fact you're trying to help people overcome their fear. And I think we as, as individuals have a responsibility to try and create those environments and atmospheres that allow people to open up, to share opinions, to try and make change because they're probably trying to do it for a good good reason. Yes, absolutely. I think fear is a big, I talk about courage as one of the traits that you need if you want to be creative. And it's because, and I'll, and I'll be honest about this, like creativity is, is not easy. It's not easy to work in a, particularly if you're in like a big corporate, like a lot of my background is, it's not easy to have this idea that is new and different, to share that idea that's new and different. And that's what a creative idea is because humans, as much as they say, you know, we want out of the box thinking, humans, we cling to what we know, we the status quo is much more comfortable for us. So when you have that crazy, that crazy idea, you know, and I put that in quotes, like, it can be hard to share it, because it people might say, well, you know, that will never work here. We tried that once. I mean, like, those are the things that people say all the time, like, that's not how we do it here, you know, and so then people clam up and this idea of psychological safety, it's such a grand, you know, grand word, psychological safety, but there's a reason it's so important because you need someone to say, I have this idea and maybe my idea is crazy and maybe it will, maybe it won't ever work. But when I share it, it might me, it might spark an idea out of you and you might share an idea or you might find a way to say, well, you know what, we can't do this aspect of it because of whatever reason, but we could do this or how how could we do this? Or, you know, it's just getting that thinking. And for people, I feel like leaders have such responsibility and opportunity here to say, let's put those ideas out there. And if they fail, I mean, look at all these things that look at these companies that are, you know, talking about embracing failure or just showcasing it. Of like, it's, it's getting you a step closer. Like you're not, you're not going to create something incredible on your first go most of the time, but the refinements that come, the learning that comes, like all of that is good. And and hardly ever on your own either, you know, <laughs> the others around you. <laughs> like People can help you, you know, people can collaborate. And, and you're right. I think you, you mentioned on this about this positive intent. I think we do have to cut people some slack. Like I think, you know, cancel culture being this big thing now. And I think particularly for people who have grown up with social media, you know, in this, if you were in the generation where you shared your every thought, you know, when you were 17 years old or what, like, you know, we, I think we have to put a little bit of um, grace and compassion to knowing that, you know, what you said at 17 may not be what you believe at 27. Or, you know, there's a difference between what people said today and every day versus like, oh, when I was 16, I said this thing because I was, I didn't know better, you know? Uh, and I referenced that in, in, in the post as well. I think um, because Social media has allowed people to comment quickly um, because it's, it's, it's easier to comment on things when you're not face-to-face -face with somebody. Um, and you can also, when you're face-to-face, -face, you can see people obvious positive, obvious positive intent or the meaning in which they're trying to drive this change, but they might have said it in the wrong way. Um, and I think in, in the world where we might be going back into now, where remote working might be more prevalent uh, and going to the office might be less regular, there is a, I think there's a real risk here if we're go, if we're following the trends of the council culture element 
that that could find its way into the world of work a bit more. And then you're creating a more fearful environments in, in where actually what we're all trying to do is we're trying to create these environments where there are no fear, where we do feel safe. So I think there's a real, we're at such an important stage of the world, I think, right now, where the workplace can have a real positive influence. And like I say, that, that blog had been bubbling up for a while, but to hear your what your your why is, it really rings true. And um, if we can support you in any way and whatever you do and your voice, then we'd love to publish as much of your content as possible, Beth. So um, it's a great... It, it's a great why. That's fantastic. Um, and, and you touch you touch on a good a good point too about you know this is why this is why I care so much about communication because particularly now where we've seen in this hybrid environment or if we move to a high, more hybrid environment there's so much communication happening via you know Slack and email like we're not and you lose a lot when you don't have tone, facial expression, you know, body language, and so often like I talk about this where people. People, I don't know why people aren't more interested in learning how to write better. <laughs> like if I talk about writing to people, they're kind of like, eh. you know, but I'm like, writing is such an important skill because how often do you get either angry or upset because of an email that you've received? Like, I think everyone can think of examples where they think like, oh, that really made me mad or, or they're confused, you know, like, so if you think about it in this way of like, if you write well, you have a better chance of getting the outcome you're after and to keep people on side as well. And I think it's really important for people to think about when they're writing, your words matter. And when people don't have your tone and they don't have any other cues, it's it's more important than ever. So it actually reminded me of a time when I did uh, media training for a load of different soccer players or football players, depending on where you're listening to this. And I'll probably get shot now for saying soccer in, in England, but there we go. Um, and... I used to show them a video clip because I'd train them to do interviews after each match. And it was a video clip um, where there's a really, really angry uh, manager doing a post-match interview. And it was essentially, all you saw, like 90% was the, the tone of the voice and the body language, but people weren't listening to what was coming out of the manager's mouth. But everything was that tone, as you said, and body language. And you don't have that. <laughs> you don't have that in that remote environment. So... I think it's really, really important, as we say right now in the world we're coming into, to think about these different factors. So, um, yeah, well done for everything that you do. Um, to, to another question from the Inspire Club that we usually um, touch on, and I, I'd love to imagine there's some been great advice being given to you over the years, but what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given and who is it from? Okay, so the best piece of advice... I think the best piece of advice actually was when I was interning in, in California. So an actor um, named Bill Hayes told me he had uh, been, a, been an actor for a very long time. And he said, I, you know, there are a lot of interns that come in and out of this place. And a lot of them don't take advantage of what this opportunity is because, you know, you come in as an intern, you're, you're the bottom of the food chain, right? Like you're doing all the jobs that nobody else wants to do. Um, photocopying scripts and running around the set and, you know, answering telephones, that sort of thing. But he said to me, you know, don't, don't miss the, op I, I think from, from our conversation, I took away from it. He said, don't miss the opportunity to learn. And so when I was there, I didn't know if I would work in film or TV. I loved, I've, I've always loved pop culture. I love the industry. 
Um, but I took his advice to heart. And so it, when I was finished, if I was finished doing stuff or we had a little bit of a slow period, I used to ask, like, can I go down to the set for a while? Or can I go to the editing booth? Or can I go down to where the music team, like I would just go and watch people. And some people were very, um, they were just so kind to tell me about their you know, what are they doing and what are their jobs? And like one director said, they, we were filming on a Saturday and I said, can I come in and just shadow you and just watch how you direct a TV show? And I didn't want to be a director. That wasn't my aim to be a director, but I just thought this could be, a, when am I going to get to be on a TV show and spend a day with a director and watch how they do it, how they put it together? Like this is just an opportunity to learn. And I, I think that that's really good advice to tell people, you know, don't miss an opportunity to learn, even if you think, well, I'm not interested in that area or like you never know and i find like in my work i take inspiration from so many places like i read a lot of books and i you know i try to just absorb a lot of information and you never know what is going to give you an idea and so that's what i would encourage people to do is just don't miss those opportunities to learn yeah no fantastic advice and <clears throat> almost uh, spins off into another piece there um culturally if, if you don't ask you don't get um so uh, I think, uh, and I'm not stereotyping, so please don't label me as one, anybody listening, but I think, I think as a culturally Americans would, would ask to, to, for things or if, it, if something was possible much more readily than an English person because an English person would be feeling like that might be a bit too cheeky or I don't want to impose. But if you ask, somebody's going to say yes or no um, and, and they would, usually they would love for you to be there mirroring them or seeing what you do or it'd be actually seen as a, uh, a polite request to actually be interested in what they do. Um, so don't ask, don't get. And that's actually a philosophy I live my life by. And the amount of things that you'll have done by asking and just what the list you rattled off in that time in LA and the, the stuff I've been able to do by just going, is it possible to... <laughs> And, and you know that it's not just a cultural thing. There's a gender thing at play too, because as women, like I can speak a lot on the, the woman's side of this, that, you know, there is that hesitancy to like, I'm going to be in someone's way or how you take the rejection. If someone says like, no, you can't like, you know, to, to pick yourself back up and go, okay, well that person said no, or maybe they said not now. Um, but to look at it of like, well, that doesn't mean everyone is going to say no. Absolutely, yeah. If you get a no, keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, this is a good one. And I think it really is as relevant now as it was a year ago, probably even more relevant. You know, what do you do to beat stress? Uh, okay, what do I do to beat stress? So probably um, some of the, the best things, and, and I actually bought this pre-lockdown um, <laughs> And it's kind of funny because it starts with curiosity. Um, I bought a Peloton at the beginning of 2020. So before lockdown happened. And the reason it's funny is because um, I don't know if you remember, Peloton did an ad in late 2019 at Christmas where they had this woman that she was called <laughs> yes. Peloton. Mom, and I yeah. remember seeing this and thinking like, this is so terrible. Like, what is this? And Peloton was already big in America, but it wasn't big here in the UK. But what that Peloton ad did... <laughs> which is dangerous for people like you and me, is it made me curious. And I just happened to be um, walking down the street, like, a, you know, not very long after that ad aired, and I passed a Peloton shop. And I'm like, you know, what is this thing anyway? Because I also was curious because they didn't come out and immediately apologize, which you expect a corporate to kind of, they've been, you know, once they're criticized for them, be like, oh, we're sorry, we, you know, if anyone found offense, blah, blah, blah. And they didn't do that. So that made me curious too, of like, why aren't they doing that? Anyway, I went into a shop and... Um, 
yeah, I I went in because I was curious and I came out with a Peloton. And, and yeah, so um, that's one thing I do to be stressed. I think music is great. I think walking is great. Um, anything like that that gives you a distraction, that those are those are good things. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm looking at the the rowing equivalent actually for my new home, the hydro. Um, so, but I, I desperately need to get myself fit and healthy. But um, but no, Ryan Reynolds came out and I think you got the actress from the advert for his gin or something, and had a real rip. Absolutely hilarious. Uh, rip off of that but yeah, obviously so, did peloton some good by the sounds of it as well who, yeah, who no, um, to, to support that there's no such thing as bad publicity, bad publicity I, mean, I did yeah. just have to laugh because that's how they came on my radar was i thought like what a terrible ad and then what do you know then i end up with a peloton and uh... <laughs> um i'm not sure you would but i'm going to ask if you could swap jobs jobs with anybody for a day who would it be you know what? I'll tell you. I'll tell you the job that I would really like to be doing right now is I would like to be working um, in AstraZeneca, and here's why: because here in the UK, um, AstraZeneca is the the vaccine that's been offered to you know that's been the dominant vaccine offered. Now they're doing more of the Pfizer. But when I look at what Pfizer has done from a communication standpoint, and even Moderna, um, like they have been in my opinion, so much better than what AstraZeneca has done. And AstraZeneca has had problems, obviously, with the way they communicated, you know, the, the, um, their results, um, the percentages, et cetera, which that is not good from a communication and trust standpoint of, you know, you think like, well, you're only talking about a couple percent. But if I say to like Joe Public, do you want the vaccine that was 90% or 60%, you know, we're all going to choose the bigger number, but we don't get the full story there. And I went in to actually try to understand like, what does efficacy rate mean? And I think it's a really important it's an important point for these vaccine companies to understand that not everyone is a scientist and not everyone knows, like, you know, when you get people who are really smart in the science, they sometimes can speak in a way that um, they're so used to speaking to other scientists that they forget what other people don't know. And I feel like AstraZeneca, you know, they've done some, some really good things of like making this vaccine available at cost. Like they have not chased the money as much as like you, you, you could, or you might think a pharmaceutical company would do, but that message has been lost. And I, and I, you know, I think there are some really positive messages that haven't come out from AstraZeneca and that would be, and and that would be something I would want to do is just help them. Like, let's actually look at your messages because this at the end of the day is about saving lives. Like I used to joke about communication years ago of like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm saving lives, you know, and I'd say it in a, you know, in a joking way, you know, when you're, when you're writing an email for the CEO, you know, you're like, oh, I'm just saving lives, but you know, like (laughs) they are saving lives. Like there's nothing more important than getting these messages out to help people understand, you know, what are the options? What are the benefits? What are the risks? Like, how does this work? And, you know, and also understanding, you know, when you've got negative side effects, like, well, what are my chances of getting, you know, getting something negative from a vaccine versus what are my chances of getting that problem if I had a long haul flight, for example, like blood clots happen on long haul flights, but we go to Australia, we go, we do these things. And so I feel like AstraZeneca as a company has such an opportunity and I would just love to be like a little helper. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're listening uh, in Oxford at AstraZeneca, then, you know, get in touch with Beth. Um, so there's, there's um, one last question around professional uh, life, <clears throat> uh, and then we'll switch into the, the, the personal personal stuff. Um, what's your go-to pro- productivity trick? Uh, I imagine you're very busy and um, there'll be lots of things pulling at your time. So what's your go-to productivity trick? 
So one of the things that I find really helpful is something called time boxing. I read a book called Indistractable by Nir Il, um, and he talked about this this thing called time boxing. So you look at your day, and I actually do this by hand. Um, you could do it on you know you could do it on computer, but I actually I print out a calendar every week and it, with boxes for every hour of the day, and I will assign things to that hour and you know, you have to give yourself some flex. Like sometimes I'll just put a free box where it's like, I don't know what I'm going to do in this hour, but I'm not pinpointing my thing into to an activity, but I find it really helpful to just struck. I'm, I like structure, um, with a, with a degree of flexibility. I find that simple process of thinking about, okay, I've got, you know, 10 hours in the day or whatever it is, what do I want to achieve? And when am I going to, so if I say, right, I'm, I'm researching this article that I'm writing between nine and 10. And I, that is what I'm going to do between nine and 10. And when it's 10 o'clock, you know, I can make that choice to go. I can either go on to my, you know, hopefully I have something else planned for the next hour. But if I'm really in the zone, I might go, you know what, I'm going to flip it around. But just putting a little structure, I find that really helps. Yeah. Um, time boxing has been very uh, popular uh, throughout this podcast so far. And and I'm a wannabe time boxer. I, I, I call it the power hour. And, uh, and, and, you know, I, when I do it, it works. I just haven't got there consistently. So I've, um, after quite a heavy period recently, um, I've just, I've just said, I'm going to only have phone calls between these three hours every day, each day of the week, rather than just having sporadic phone calls, but whether I get there or not, I, I don't know. I, I'm like I said, I'm a wannabe time boxer, but I, I haven't quite got there just yet. So, so, um, uh, we might have to write do do something on it, I think, because I think it seems so popular. So maybe we get somebody in and to, to do to, to a talk around it, and, and that might even help me as well. Um, so early bird or night owl? Um, I would choose to be a night owl, but I have young kids, so um, that doesn't work as well. <laughs> wow. Okay. So that, that's been an interesting year for you, then I imagine if you've if you've had young children as well. So. Oh um, yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I'm getting up on my uh, year two math maths, as they say here, and and the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Uh, friends of mine, men and women, just all going, wow, this year we've had with our young children. <laughs> just bonkers. Um, yeah. One, one, hopefully we can leave in the past. I've always appreciated teachers. I appreciate them even yeah. more. Now. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. I, I agree. My mum's one. And yeah. I, and again, if she's listening, I appreciate you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for um, what you do. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I don't know how you looked, took, took care of us after a classroom full of kids every day, actually, to be honest with you, but there you go. Um, uh, this is probably the toughest question. Uh, a favorite album um, uh, that you're listening to that, you know, your favorite album that you can just put on, listen to and, your best song that you need to fire yourself up on the peloton or work? Yeah. So favorite album. Um, I mean, I'd have to go back old school for that. Um, you know, I'm an MTV generation person. So probably the album I would choose would be Madonna. I'd probably go with Immaculate Collection just because it spans a lot of that kind of early Madonna stuff. Like the, those songs are still so, like a lot of them are still so fun and enjoyable. Yeah. And I'll do a lot of 80s and 90s rides on the Peloton, which is probably one of the reasons that I like it is if I get that music. <laughs> um, and my, my go-to song, um, so I do a lot of presentations and workshops and I will talk about like how I like to listen to music before I do it. And my pump up song is ACDC Thunderstruck. Oh, yes. Like, 
it just gets it. I that's a great song. That's a great song to put on before you got to do a presentation. Absolutely, the drum beat and the guitar. Yeah. What, going. What's your song, Matt? Oh, um, I think I, I got interviewed on this uh, two episodes in or something. Um, I'm I'm the same as you. I if I have to go speak or something, I need. I need a, luckily when I speak, it's usually at a gala dinner and I play the song that I need to walk onto. So I play the song that fires me up. So what's the story morning glory by Oasis would be yeah. one that gets me going, but thunderstruck is right up there. Like um, <laughs> it is, is absolutely right up there. It's, it's, it's really, really good. Um, I think they're probably my two. And I like a bit of Christine Aguilera fighter as well, if I'm being honest with you. So, Interesting. I, yeah, yeah, I know, but it's a good song. <laughs> um, and it builds. She's a great, great, great well, singer. She's got a good set of pipes. Yeah, she does. Um, what's the funniest thing that's happened to you recently? <laughs> uh, so the funniest thing that's happened recently is because I talk about creativity, I talk, I've got young kids, they're seven and five, and I will talk about it with them and we will do things with creativity and we will talk about, you know, when our draw, I'll draw with them and my drawings are, I'm not a, a, a great drawer yet. I'm working on it, uh, but I try to talk to them about how we try and we have fun and we do things that are different. And my daughter put together an outfit recently um, I think the best label for it would be creative. And she's down with these, like she's got these striped pants that uh, look like pants that Picasso used to wear, the trousers that were white with the blue stripes. She's got some like that. And then she had this dress and a little sweater over it. And then she put these rainbow shoes that she has on and she came downstairs and I um, thought, what an interesting, you know, I thought what an interesting combination. And she looked at me and said, look, mom, it's creative. And I said, yes, it is. And so like, I thought, right. Yep. You, you know, you're seven, go for it. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be the voice that says like, oh no, we don't really wear stripes and that, you know, it's like, nope, you want to wear it. You're seven. It's creative. Go for it. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. And uh, good on it. Good on her too. So luckily there aren't as many people out now. I'm, I'm sure we probably got some looks when we were outside of like, who is dressing that child? But um, that's all right. The, her, herself, the creative genius. Um, <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's what life's all about. Um, household chore, the one you'd have to, if you can leave so somebody else has to do it so you don't have to do it, you know, what would it be? Making my bed. I hate, I hate making my bed. And I know all those productivity people and, you know, the general from whatever who says, like, start your day and make your bed. I'm like, I don't, I, I love a made bed. I just don't like to make it. I haven't. My, Yeah. It's like time boxing. I've I've seen the video of General, um, you know, from the Navy SEALs, and every day make your bed. And when I do make it, I feel proud of myself. <laughs> it is one of those things that's so easy not to do. A um, uh, favorite film you can just throw on the TV and, and watch. So I always think these ones are tough ones because I I do love film, and you know, um, to pick one is pretty tough. Like my, my immediate thought of like, oh, you know, like I love Aaron Sorkin's writing, like A Few Good Men is one of my faves. Shawshank Redemption, Stephen King, another brilliant writer. But if we're going to pick on, let me give you something that's like less common as an answer of an answer. Um, and that would be one, my go-to classic in December, which is Die Hard. And talking about the hill you will die on, I, I'm ready to fight anyone who says that Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. Um, <laughs> I will say Christmas not, film. Maybe not a, fam, a family Christmas movie, not not when your kids are really young. But Die Hard, I think, is such a joy because you wouldn't expect an action film 
to have like drama and humor and like the fun like it's it's such a fun such a fun movie um, it goes so fast yeah and there's so much that's like there's foreshadowing and there's like illusion like there's so much good stuff in it it's just such a fun it's such a fun film absolutely absolutely so i'm, I'm assuming you're a fan of west wing as well then if you're an aaron sorkin fan yes yes yeah, I okay like yeah yeah, it's it's my favorite TV show. So uh, is it? Uh, oh, okay. And then it's funny when you see a film and you're going, "Is that Aaron Sorkin?" Like the Social Network. I didn't know he'd written it. And then afterwards, you go, oh, "Okay." And his his writing is first class, isn't it? Yeah, yeah he's so, so he, good. He's so he's so clever. Yeah, Molly's Game again. hadn't didn't realize that was him. And I go, "Okay, yeah, that that obviously was him." Yeah. Yeah, I, I, if I see his name, I have pretty high high expectations. And didn't he do? Oh, we're talking about To Kill a Mockingbird off 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 the podcast. Didn't he do a Broadway version of that? I think it's coming to London. Actually, I had tickets to that. It was one of my uh, one of my casualties of uh, the. I I think my t ask me what I'm doing in uh, July 2022, Matt. And I think that's when they've rescheduled my ticket. <laughs> Right, because I, I, I saw that it was coming to London. I, I didn't realise it was coming to London because I walked past it in New York and I went, I have to watch that if Sorkin's involved as well. Anyway, great story. And Lee, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. Um, but yeah, so last last couple of questions. Um, let's go to best place in the world you visited and where would you be right now if you could be anywhere in the world? Uh, best place, this is kind of like film. It's really hard to to make a narrow it down to one because I've been lucky to to go to a lot of places. Um, I think probably one of the most fantastic trips I ever uh, took was I went on a safari in Kenya and that was just, an, it was just an incredible trip. It was in, incredible to see, you know, it's like you, you've only seen animals in a zoo and then you see them in the wild. Like that was, that was pretty incredible. Um, and I think place where I would like to be now Aside from like, if I can bring my family who I haven't seen in too long with me, like that would be the key. But I would like to be anywhere in the world where a pina colada is on the menu. Because <laughs> you know, if you're, there's palm trees, there's sunshine, there's a beach. Like I, you know, as you said, we've had a month of rain in the UK and I would just love to have some sunshine and just like water, water, water that's warm but cool at the same time as yeah, well. So, yeah, just like refresh. <laughs> you know, when it's like a little bit warm, like ooh, it's just refreshing to put your feet in the water. And yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely, great, great answer. So, last question. Um, and actually, uh, you're on the podcast because uh, Jason recommended that we speak to you. Uh, so, thank you, Jason. Absolutely awesome recommendation. Um, who would you recommend we go speak to? So next, on the next, another episode of Inspire Club. So there are some people who um, I have followed on, that I've seen through LinkedIn that I think are pretty inspiring. They're not people I know, but just their work. Um, and two of them are Helen Tupper and Sarah Ellis, who do something called the Squiggly Careers, where they talk about, you know, instead of people looking at their careers, you know, the steps kind of stepping up that actually, you know, we move all the way around and do different things. And I, I like that ethos and that thinking. And the other one is a woman named Rachel Carroll, who is from New Zealand, um, but she runs a company called Koru Kids that looks at helping people with childcare in the UK. And I love just this idea of like what, what Rachel is doing is looking at this problem saying childcare in this country 
which you know you may experience someday, is such a broken process, and it's really it's really really hard for professionals who you know get to the point in life that they want to have children, and then they find that the options just don't suit the working life. You know, like I never had a corporate job that would let me leave it two o'clock to go get my kids and my husband didn't either. So um, she's looking at coming up with a solution to that. And I just think it's so great what they're, what she's doing to, to re- again, helping people. Fantastic. No, and, and the expense of it. I know some of my, my uh, friends who just, you know, that one of the, one of them uh, quits their job because the, the, the difference between the cost of childcare and their salary is so, you know, my friend, uh, he's, a policeman he's stopping being a policeman to stay at home with the with the children so because the difference is just there's no point really you may as well spend more time with the children well yeah and a lot and a lot of people and it's it generally tends to be women who are you know statistically who make that choice and then at some point you might want to go back to work and then you know making that transition again so it's definitely it's definitely a problem Childcare is like rachel talks about you know it's like infrastructure it's something that a society needs to you know to help people thrive so i think her work there's really interesting I think that's pretty something. We, yeah, I'd, I'd love to speak to Rachel about that because I think that is a yeah a clear and present problem uh, and only going to get worse and something we need to solve. And it does pay, pay into the gender imbalance as well, um, like you say. So yeah, that, thank you so much for those recommendations and thank you for for being you and being on the podcast. And well, thank you for having it, me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, I know. I know we've overrun, overrun a little bit, so I apologise. But um, thanks so much to you, Beth. Thanks for listening. Uh, it's an honour to be able to have these conversations and for you to listen to them. And uh, we'll be back with another episode of Inspire Club soon. Take care. Bye bye.